We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Good morning, Grinders. Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blender at Blender HD. If you want to follow me there on Twitter, and it's Casual Friday. We're going casually through some, uh, maybe a little bit of NBA review. Then we'll be going over some NFL for Sunday and maybe uh, take a little quick peek at some uh, some MMA. Uh, there's not much to peek at. We just had a, that had a fight canceled uh, so now we're down to, what, 14, 14 fights, 14, 13, 14, something like that. So that means ownership is off and everything. I still need to get a source in there. I think that the, the, one of the fights doesn't have like a, like a inside the distance or I, I, have to, I have to check. So it's, it's not going to be completely accurate uh, as of right now. I'll be updating that later today. But uh, people like the, the MMA stuff at, at the end. Be a shorter show today. I got, uh, I got another show after this. Uh, I'm going to be on the Pete Overzet. Channel. I'm going to be with Pete talking about GPPs for uh, Sunday Slate. So if you want to tune into that at noon, right after this show. But uh, as always, give me those thummy thumbs here. Right before you give the thummy thumbs to Pete, you give the thummy thumbs to me. Give me the thummy thumbs. Hit the subscribe button if you're new here. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live every time here on the channel. I see you guys. Feel free to post whatever you want in the YouTube chat. Even if I'm blabbing on, I still scroll back. I still answer pretty much anything that you, you type in there. Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, let's see. Uh, going through yesterday's slate. I, I just want to highlight the fact on, on yesterday's slate. We get this all the time, especially in the in the Roto Grinders Discord, which you can be a part of if you're a premium member. So sign up. Uh, click on the link in the description. Get $10 off your first month. Uh, Montres Harrell uh, yesterday was, was mega chalk. Right, Daniel Gafford got injured the day before. The prices came out, uh, be- you know, pretty much before then. And Montrose Harrell is sitting there like around 5,500, likely to play 36 to 38 minutes at center for uh, the Wizards. And uh, he was he projected like absurdly, 
right? Absurdly absurdly. Let if you took him out of your lineup, your projection went down by five or six points, just simply by not having him in the lineup. Uh, his smash percentage was over, was over 50%, I believe, yesterday. His median was like seven, eight, like eight plus X. Uh, these aren't the people that you fade in basketball, right? This isn't MLB. This isn't uh, NFL. This isn't an event-based uh, sport. Uh, it was going to be hard for Harold to bust, right? To bust. Bust meaning a snowflake uh, at his price at 5,500. Could he have had a pedestrian game? I'm giving you a 32, right? Maybe the flame flame doesn't show up for a 30. Maybe he still does at 5,500. 28, uh, you could still win with a 28 at, at 5,500 or whatever. Uh, but you can't win uh, when the guy goes 10X and scores 56 points at 76% ownership. Uh, in basketball, because it is much more linear, right? It's less variant. You could see here just just from just from the exposures of like some top players I, I picked up. I mean, some some like cheese seventy eight percent, okay, which is about a little slightly slightly over the field around the field, but for the most part, a hub row, lock button, giant squid lock button, mock loving lock button, oxen duck brick seventy five lock button, and then E Hafner and J K and Kobe for MVP near lock buttons 86 percent. These aren't these aren't the guys. You know, when they project that well, where your projection goes down that dramatically by just one player, these aren't the times to, to, to be cute, especially on a smaller slate, right? On a larger slate, maybe maybe there's, there's enough options that you can make up that projection. Maybe, maybe there's a way for him, for that guy to fail, right? We're not talking about like chalk value on a slate where like, oh, the guy projects for like, 6.2x right we take a look at today's slate right look at the best like point per dollar not even rgv like bruce brown at 3800 on DraftKings may be like a value play today right chris chris duarte at 5500 with brogdon out maybe a value of 5.5x 5.9x right smash percentages you know the top one currently this is the algorithmically generated projections our projection team will come in and manually update some of this stuff this is this isn't the chalk where you slam you know 100 percent of right this isn't it this is probably the ones where you play less of okay but when we have guys if i could go to the historical projections let, let me let me bring this up from yesterday i think they should be up a lot of times they're not early enough let's go to yesterday's slate thursday's slate to just take a look at the at the projection on harold Okay. All right, guys locked in my lineup. Cash games. Okay. So we take a look at the historical. We go to our projection. Harold was 7.62x. We projected him median-wise at 40 points at 5,300. Okay? Okay? The next was like Dwight Powell, and then Desmond Bain, and then Melton. Now that you're getting into the high fives and low sixes. Like those guys, those guys aren't like must plays. And I don't, I don't like using the term must play. Like you didn't have to use Harold in a lineup, right? We, we see, we see that they did make some constructions without them, but at 76% owned in the fadeaway, he was under owned, right? We don't get that in other sports. We, we don't, we don't get, uh, you know, oh, if there's a 76% owned pitcher or bat, even pitcher in baseball, 
which is less varying than the batters. He'd be like 76%. I'm going to, I'm going to fade on a, on a six game slate. I'm not, you don't have to play him 76% own batter. Like forget about it. Like it's an event driven sport, even in NFL. Oh, what happens if we have uh we have uh, Christian McCaffrey at 5,000, you know, whatever, like, What's his efficient ownership? Now, his efficient ownership at 5,000 it may be 70%, right? But it may not, it, his efficient ownership, not like Harold. Harold's efficient ownership yesterday could have easily been 95 plus percent. Easily. So 76%, he's actually under-owned. So you can't think in terms of what's the chalk and what's not the chalk. That's not, the, thinking of good chalk, bad chalk is not the way to play DFS. It's thinking of over-owned and under-owned. Was Luca over-owned at 58%? Possibly. I mean, it's a small slate. But we take a look at like Devin Vassell. He was 25% owned in the fadeaway. And you could see here, so many sharp players were under. I mean, Ahabro had zero. Duck had zero out of 150. Giant Squid, 1.3%. Vassell's, on this slate, his, his efficient ownership was probably much lower than 25%. Aaron Holiday's even ownership may have been lower. It should have been lower than 22 or Walker. I mean, comparison, like KCP had a game. Of course, he couldn't have that game yet the day before when I had him, right? Of course, Dinwid, Dinwiddie wasn't out there, right? Should KCP been 5% owned? Probably not. Maybe his efficient ownership was 10%. Well, that, that means he's more valuable to play. But you have to, you have to think like that even for the chalkier players. Oh, Montres Harrell's going to be uber chalk. I'm going to fade him and make a line. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. You're thinking too, too black and white. What do you think Harrell's efficient ownership is? And if you think it's, if you, if you think it's higher than what it is, then why aren't you playing? And if you ran lineups and you saw that you're dropping five, six points in projection, just simply not having him. If he's going to be 76% owned, what, just why not take, take the five or six points and move on with you day, right? If we run lineups, like let, let me, uh, let's see, can I run the lineups in historic? Okay, I'm going to run the lineups in, in, this is historic from yesterday, okay? So I'm not using actual, I'm using the projected one. Okay, I'm going to go to build rules to, to, to make it like less, okay? So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, screw it, I'm, I'm just going to run, I'm going to run 20 lineups, whatever, with Harold, with Harold, just the optimals, right? So I'm going to build 20 with the actuals. With the with the projection one, okay. So we get basically my cash lineup that comes up first, right? Curry, Holiday, Dante, Luca, Johnson, Harold. So Harold's here. Harold, Harold's in a hundred percent of lineups. Okay, the top lineup is two seventy point seven five. If I x out Harold and give me twenty, so without Harold. 247.75. I mean, like, this is not five or six points. Look how many points that you give up. Oh, hold on. No, this, is, this is okay. I'm, I'm looking at the actual. Okay, hold on. They, they, the way that they show this. Okay, projection 282. Okay, it's okay. I didn't, I didn't realize they show it ownership, then projection, then actual. Okay, so 282 was the projection with Harold. Without Harold, 272. 10 points. You lose 10 points of projection by not playing the dude. Okay? So let's go to the first build. 
and let's X out Bain now. Like these guys, these are guys are in a hundred percent. So let's say you don't play a lineup with Bain in it. The lineup with Bain is 282. The lineup without Bain is 280.5. You give up maybe two points. Point and a half, two points, something like that. Okay, that's that's doable. Talking about one bucket. Okay, okay, that that's fine. Let's go back to the, the first thing again. Put Bain back and then take out Luca. These guys that have 100%, they're in all top 20 lineups. So I'm going to take out Luca. With Luca, it's 282. Without Luca, 279. Okay, that, that's doable, right? Three points. Three points is doable. 10 points is ridiculous. Okay. So if you were to fade anyone, you fade Bain, you fade Luca. How do I fade Luca with Porzingis out? Well, look look at what happened. I mean, come on. Uh, but you, you can't go by the results. But this is how you should be judging. You shouldn't be judging it by who's chalk and who's not chalk. You could have easily faded some of these guys. So we go back to the first build. Right? Who are some other guys that are up here? Oh, what happens if I don't play Kyle Kuzma? Okay. What does it look like? 282 with him, 282 without him, right? That's the optimal lineup. With the, with the, so you know, did you have to play Kuzma? No, you, were, you weren't really sacrificing anything by not playing Kuzma based on our projections. Let's say you didn't play Melton. 282 with Melton, 282.46 with Melton. 282.14 without Melton. Well, that, that, that's someone that's not necessary. Right, you can have less lineups with Melton in it. It's not going to. It's only going to affect you by 0.3. You know, like less than a point. This is how you should be judging it, not by uh, Harold's going to be 76 percent owned. Uh, I got, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to fade him and hope that he fails. Well, what's failing at 5300 when his median is 40? His median is 40. Just take the points and move on. Because even if he puts up 30. And he only goes for what six X. He could still be in the winning lineup, right? That's still decent, good enough value for a five fifty three hundred dollar player at center. So I saw so much discussion yesterday. It was like, what do I do with Harold? Do I play him? Do I fade him? Just dude, the dude projects so well that the only way to make any lineup without him is to drop ten points. You're putting yourself in such a hole. You need Harold to get injured at that point to make up ten points. You needed to put up uh, 18, 20 points, something like that, which, which is in his range of outcomes, true. But his chance of being in the optimal lineup is, is high. Like, what's, what's the actual optimal? Like, what happened? Like, like, let's see, let's see what, what, what we look at actual. Kleber, I mean, Kleber went nuts. And this is after he wasn't starting. Such a weird game script for the Mavericks. The first unit just died the first, like, six to eight minutes. And then the second unit brought them back. So we take KCP, Milton, Collins, Eric Pascal. What was the best possible lineup that you could have made yesterday? Right, basically, no, I did it on fantasy points. Let me do it on actual. You're going to see Harold. You're going to see Kleber. Right. Kemba Walker, Brunson, KCP, Collins, Harold, Curry. Kleber and Bede. 
This was a lineup that could have been made. Why not? 377? What was the winning lineup in the fadeaway? 362. You could have gotten there. The winning lineup in the fadeaway was Ja, KCP, Bain, Kleber, Olenek, Curry, Collins, Harold. So basically no Luca. Right? That's doable. So I, I guarantee you all the top lineups have Harold when he goes 10x. So you don't think so black and white. Like, fade. oh, the guy's chalk, I'm fading. I'm like, because some people think that way. They go into it slate and they go, okay, who are the two or three chalkiest players? X them out and then build lineups. Like, well, what are you sacrificing? That's the question you need to be asking. How much are you sacrificing? If you can fade all three players and sacrifice a point, then go ahead. Then that that's probably that's probably a, a good example of you know playing the leverage game, play the ownership game that way. When you got guys that are projecting so well, especially in basketball, which is less variant, like it's you see, you see from the top players. It's not like I'm making this up. They're just jamming. They're just jamming, jamming this stuff in the NBA. So I know I'm not on crunch time. I'm not on grinders live often, but people ask, I hear. Is it crazy for me to fade Harold? Yes, it probably is. It probably is. No matter what, unless you, unless he's going to be 98% owned, but he's probably not, then it probably is crazy. Uh, let's see. Michael Dampier. Uh, I was at the field with Harrell ownership, but I thought I'd be over. I had a mental hurdle with having my cumulative ownership being huge with Harrell lineups. Well, you could have faded Luca. Now your ownership goes down. You could have faded Bain. Look, I just went through the exercise with the actual projections. How many points are you giving up by not having them? And how much ownership are you gaining by not having them? By, you know, how, how much drop in ownership? We saw, I mean, we'll go, we'll go back, we'll go back to this. Where is the historic? Okay. So with this, because this is the projected ownership that's in here, right? I believe so. Or is this the actual ownership? No, this is the projected ownership. Right. 198% owned, 282. This is without Harold. 162 and 270. Dropping 10 points in projection. And you're getting rid of, you know, a lot of owner, 35 points in ownership. But I mean, is that worth it? Here's the one without, without, this has Luca, but no Bane. This actually is higher owned. Here's one without Luca, 201. You could have played, you could have played these. Does it mean you play Bane and Melton together? No. Does it mean you play Kuzma, Kuzma in this lineup? No, not necessarily. There are other ways to get a little bit lower ownership. So you see, but you have, but you have to do this exercise. How many points am I giving up by not playing this guy? On a lot of on a lot of slates, the answer is going to be not much. You're going to look at the chalkiest guys on the slate and go, oh, "I can make a lineup without him." You can make a lineup with them also. You take a look at the top five chalkiest players and go, "Any one of these guys I could fade. Any two of these guys I could fade. Any three of these guys I could fade," and not really give up much. A uh, point, two, maybe. But that's why it depends on the slate. It depends. It depends on the people. It's not just blanket statement. I can't. I. I don't. If someone said yesterday you're crazy for fading Luca, 
They would be wrong. You could. We we just looked at the projection by taking taking Luca out. You you could have played Curry. You could have played Embiid. You could have played other guys. Yes, Luca projected the lineups that Luca's in are one and a half point high. You could sacrifice a point and a half. That's nothing. Sacrificing ten points by not having Harold that that that's just untenable. You're putting yourself in such a hole. It's not a Harold thing, and it's not a Luca thing. It's a lineup thing. So what do the lineups look like? These these are not exercises that that take a long time to do. You could just literally do them. I mean, look, we could look at today's slate based on these algorithmic projections. I'm assuming if I built if I built twenty lineups, just player bare basic whatever lineups. Who comes in a hundred percent of them as of right now? I mean, of course, it doesn't mean anything right now. I'm getting Durant and Brown in all of them. And this is without any manual adjustment. So who knows what this is going to be. So we take a look at this lineup with Bruce Brown, right? Oh my God, I got to jam Bruce Brown. It's probably not going to be, you're probably not going to have to do that. So we're getting 272 in a projection for Bruce Brown lineup. Now let's take Bruce Brown out of the line. How many points down are we, are we sacrificing? Am I not having Bruce Brown? With Bruce Brown, 272.6. Without Bruce Brown, 270.98. So what's that difference? 271, about a little over a point and a half, about 1.62. That's that's doable. So that's that's fun. That's not 10 points. Am I am I crazy for fading Bruce Brown today? No, you're probably not crazy for fading Bruce Brown today. How long does that take to do? It doesn't take long at all. You just if you don't believe, I mean, I could tell when you take when you take a look at the when you take a look at the the projections and you see, you know, RGV of of nine and a point per dollar value of nine, and the guys were I mean, yeah, yeah, I could tell that most likely you're gonna be playing them in most of your lives. I don't have to, I don't, I don't have to do that little exercise. I I I I'll know. Do I know how many points you're sacrificing? Not necessarily, but I know it's enough that you probably play for that. But if you wanted to do that little exercise, then do it. What do my lineups look like with X? What do my lineups look like without X? And then do that for different people. Do that with two people. And what happens if I fade all three of them in a lineup? What's the best rejected lineup from there? And see how many points you're sacrificing. And if you're fine with the amount of points you're sacrificing, then those guys are like, oh, now I can build lineups with all different types of people. But you may find on a slate like yesterday with Harold, and it's like, dude, uh, pretty much every line was going to have Harold in it, right? That's what that's what I would have done. I would have locked button, but no problem. With it. Going through the YouTube chat. Cameron George, would it be better to select median lineups when crunching or better to select ceiling lineups that you may run? What's more feasible, I should say? Of course, in big GPPs, it doesn't matter. It's all in relation to one another. You have to compare it to something. Fine, then run ceiling. You're still then you're still comparing everything to the top ceiling lineup, which is very going to be very similar to the median lineups. Understand that when you run median lineups, you're more likely to be running lineups that that the field is doing. Right? Depending on the distribution, the standard deviation of each individual player. You may you actually may be off 
You have to be very comfortable with the dis- with the distribution curves that you're given in the projections. You don't necessarily trust them that much that some guy's ceiling may be off. You may get a lot of someone that like no one else is playing. I find with the it, I find that the distributions are not that drastic that the lineups are going to be th- dramatically different if you do median or ceiling. Don't concern yourself with that. People 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 you have to simplify it. I constantly say this because here, here, here are questions that do not matter much in DFS. What are the best projections? That's not the right question to ask. The question should say, is the projections that I'm using better than what I could do myself? Because if the answer is yes, then that's, then the projections are good enough. Our projections around the industry, all of them are good. enough. They're not dramatically different enough. That it's still better than nothing. Another thing, should I use this? Anything that has to do with settings and lineup HQ, settings and an optimizer, is not important. I told someone this last night. Spend, if you're not willing, this, this, may, sound, this may sound harsh. If, you're not a pro, if you have not become a profitable player by hand building one to three lineups at a slate, I'm talking about for GPP. One to three lineups of slate for GPP. If you've not been a profitable player over a course of a full year in GPP, building just one to three lineups and building, okay? You may look at lineup HQ to see the projections, but you're not building. You're literally never pressing the build button. And you're doing it by hand, one to three lineups. If you're not a profitable player over the course of a year, doing it that way, you should probably not touch any type of optimizer until you are. If you don't know the fundamental concepts of just roster construction in general, all these things that I'm teaching you in the tools are stuff that you could do by hand, that you could visualize yourself. I don't have, you know, oh, well, I'm going to run this with the, how do you know that Bruce Brown isn't necessary, but my, my Harold is yesterday? Because I could just tell just by the projection. I don't have to run this. I've done this by hand. That's what I did first to go, oh, let me piece this stuff together. Who are the highest rejected players on the slate? Who are the, what's the ownerships of them? And build the, and just hand build the line. You're not going to be as, you're not going to be as precise as doing it with a tool, right? You may be off. Maybe you sacrifice an extra point where you didn't need to. You're still going to be better than a lot of the field. And once you're good at that, then you can translate that and making it more precise. And even with the tool like Lineup HQ, you're still not going to be the most precise. You're not going to be running sims and every, everything and running lineups against one another and simulating a contest and being even more precise. But you'll be even more directionally accurate. So if you're, if you're struggling with like, like, well, do I use this and do I use that? You're, not, you're, you're thinking of the wrong things. You should be able to close your eyes, never use this tool and build lineups that are just, that are nearly or identical to these. Like my cash lineup last night, I could have built by hand without ever, possibly without even looking at the projections. I'm good enough to know what the projections are most likely going to say. And I look at the prices. I'm most likely playing Harold. I'm most likely playing some type of cheap guard possibly Aaron Holiday in the starting lineup. Melton and Bain are still too cheap. 
Who am I playing in the front court for the Mavericks with Porzingis out? I need to fill a power forward spot. Of course, Keldon Johnson gets into foul trouble. Maybe I'm playing Kuzma there. Maybe I'm not. I'll see. I'll see all. I'll, I'll see all. Do I play Curry? Do I play Embiid? Well, if I want to play a, a front court a Powell, then I can't play Embiid, so I'm going to pay up for Curry. Like, I don't have to press the button, the optimize button. I could probably figure it out. I could probably run the top five lineups, and whatever I came up with in my head without looking is probably one of those top five anyway. Well, how do I do that? Well, it's called six, having six years of experience. So that's why I could transition into a, into using tools like this because I've already visualized it. I could look at a slate and go, what a lot, what a lineup is most likely going to look like. Nothing that comes up is going to surprise me that much because I'm looking, I'm looking. I just look at the, I look at the projections and I see and I see what they are. I go, I'm probably going to get a lot of this guy. I'm probably going to get a lot of that guy. I'm probably going to get none of this guy. This guy looks too low owned. But he doesn't really fit because of positional requirements. So can I play a different type of lineup? Like all of that you're doing by by head, by in your head. And you're doing it over and over and over again, every slate for every sport. Very similar to poker. It's very hard to just say, okay, here's a here's a solver, or here's a here's a, he, a, a heads up display. The first hand you've ever played poker with. So you barely have used like. Do you understand why you fold in certain situations? Do you understand why you raise here? Do you understand the dynamics of stack sizes? Do you, do you understand positions? I mean, just basic stuff. Probably should do that first before trying to, well, how do I rig this, this tool to tell me the optimal moves or whatever? You don't even know the basis of anything that you're doing. So like you're going to be stuck playing lineups and like you're playing hands in completely odd directions because you, you don't even know enough to input things correctly. So you know what would be the better way to do? Just get experience. Doing it by hand over and over and over again. I was telling my my, my nephew, he came over. I was showing him, he's into the statistics and stuff. I was showing a bunch of stuff and he, and he said he's good at poker against his friends, but he doesn't he, but he doesn't even know the basics of poker. Like he knows the basic, basic stuff, like what beats what. But when I asked him, it's like, well, what are the odds of, uh, you know, what are, what are the odds of, uh, uh, you know, hitting a set on the flop. He goes, I have no idea. So what are the odds of a flush coming out of with one card? Left? I have no idea. You know, and I had to teach him just that. It's like, well, you, and then it's first thing is like, and I was teaching him about how many unseen cards are there? How many seen cards? You know, like the bare basic stuff. And he's decent at math. And he's like, well, I'm, that's, it seems kind of difficult. You have to do that calculation in your head. Like every single hand, I go, no, this, these situations come up so often that you just memorize them, right? That you don't have to do the calculation. There are charts. Just memorize a chart, right? What are the odds of this happening? Four to one. What are the odds of that happening? Two and a half to one. And you don't even have to be perfect, right? It's 7.27 to one. No, who cares? Seven to one. Close enough, right? So when you're at the table, you don't have to do, you don't have to do these types of calculations. But the only reason that you get used to it is because you've done it you've done it over and over and over and over again. So that's what I would suggest first before like, Oh, I'm getting into DFS. How do I use lineup HQ? It's like, Oh, 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 hold on. Learn the concepts first. Right. Don't use this advanced tool before you understand what the hell it's doing. Cause then you're going to be stuck. Then you're going to be stuck with the same. So many people, the optimizer gave me right. That term. The optimizer gave me this. No, you you told it. 
It's just it's doing whatever you tell it to do. Didn't give you anything. Okay, go through YouTube chat. Let me let me run some uh, uh, NFL lineups on the way. So still the NFL the NFL's going on. So I'm using the blitz projections. I'm just going to run lineups with the 10% uh, quarterback exposure. Just to, just to see what stacks come up. Like I'm I'm lo- I'm looking for, you know, running stacks, naked stacks. Right? I'm just going to put two two teammates, it doesn't matter what it is. 100% of lineups. But no run back. And then I'm going to run one with a run back and said, just see the differences. So 10, cap it at 10% per quarterback, which means we'll get, we'll get 10 quarterbacks out of a hundred and see what their projections do, do for one another based on the blitz. So I'm going to run that. And then let's go through the YouTube chat. Bob base, Maxi Kleber was over 15% owned yet. RG ownership was like 3%. How did they miss it? I just disregarded him because of the ownership. The ownership changed after uh, after the starting lineup came. Maxi Kleber, it depended on what you thought the starting lineup was going to be. RG, Roto Grinders, our projections before 6.50, right? 10 minutes before lock, had Bullock starting, Okay. You have to understand what the dynamics of what this is. This is all, this is all of what, what I'm good at. Maxi Kleber yesterday, I would have put in at, at, at 15% personally. I would have. Why was the Roto Grinders ownership 3%? Because our projections had Bullock in. You know what the starting lineup was? Bullock was in. RG projected that starting lineup perfectly. Right. Some people, if they played big, Kleber would start. So it would be uh, Luca and and it would be small. Finney Smith would play as a a small forward. And Kleber would play as a power forward. Both ways were, you know, you're, you're just speculating at that point. Right. Our team, our projections team went with went with Bullock's going to start, not Kleber. And in that case, Kleber's minutes go down, right? Kleber is coming off the bench, and he's not that high FPPM type of guy. So we project Bullock higher, and we project Kleber low. Hence, the 3% ownership. Because why would you play Kleber off the bench in that spot? You would. You'd more likely play Bullock. You go, well, then why was it, what, then why did he come in at 15%? Because Roto-Grinders ain't the only site that's out, that's out there. And it, plenty of people thought Kleber was going to start. Most, actually, most people did. Most people thought Kleber was going to start. And until 6.50, 10 minutes before lock, they built their lineups as if Kleber was starting. And if you thought Kleber was starting, you have to bump his minutes up by four. You bump Bullock's minutes down by four. And now Kleber becomes a reasonable enough punt play. And his ownership would be around 10 to 15%. But that's, that's outside of, it's outside. You have, you have to look outside and see what people are doing. I knew people would expect Kleber to start. I knew that. I thought it was a horrible play for him off the bench. 
Now, of course, he gets there running hot with seven, seven blocks or something. But that's the reason why. Why is the ownership off? Well, it's ownership because it's based on an irrationality. Our ownership is based upon math. If you want to change it based on what you believe other people will do, that's your responsibility to do. We don't know. We, we, our team doesn't know what irrational behavior is going to be out there. If the starting lineup for the Mavericks was announced an hour and a half before, instead of 10 minutes before lock, Cleaver would have been probably about six, maybe 6% up. Right, still some people would have still played. You know, more so than three percent. But that, but I'm telling you, that's the reason. Because it's ten minutes before lock, and people have already put in their lineups as if, as if Cleaver started, and not changing it within the last, you know, seven. I think, I think the lineup came out at like six fifty three or something, like seven minutes before lock lock, and then a lot of people don't late swap anyway, right? Because this game, this game wasn't, uh, it wasn't until later. But an 8.30 game or something. That's the reason. Uh, let's see. Trey, Blender, do you use this process for all sports? Finding the projected optimal percentage and then make lineups to project similarly with lower ownership? Yeah, why wouldn't you? That's the core basis of DFS. You can't, you can't, you're not going to be able to make lineups that project similarly because if you could make lineups that project similarly then they wouldn't be as lower owned you're not going to find oh here the optimal is is this and the optimal minus 0.1 is is half the ownership that the field isn't that dumb so you're going to have to you're going to have to sacrifice projection in order to get lower ownership and depending on the contest that you're playing will determine the ownership because the ownerships will be different in different contests the larger the field the more projection you're willing to sacrifice because you want to increase the variance of your lineup as much as you can. Smaller field stuff, you don't have to sacrifice that much projection. Where is that line? That's, that's a slate-to-slate thing that's you to judge. There's no, there's no way, there's no correct answer to, to, to that. There's no number that you could apply to every slate. It's always going to be different. And it's always going to be judgment. Now, on the extreme ends, you'd be like, should you ever... Uh, d- d- I'm going to give up 70 points in projection in NBA. No, you're probably wrong. You're, you're, at that point, you're, you're, you're probably wrong. I'm going to find the lineup that that only projects one point lower and has uh, uh, has a tenth of the ownership. You ne- that's never going to happen. The field isn't that dumb. You're never going to find. So it's going to be somewhere in between there, depending on on what uh, contest you're playing. That's the goal. So yes, the process is the same regardless. So I'm taking a look now at uh, lineups for NFL using the blitz projections. I'm just looking at stacks now. What do they project for together? Because a stack contains two, a quarterback and two of their teammates. And I'm, I'm not ruling out the running backs either. So I'm just looking at like just teams in general using the blitz projections. So like we have Matthew Stafford, 151. So it's Stafford, Henderson, Cup. Like that, that's what I expected. Stafford's at 151. Wentz, 152. Herbert, 152. Ryan, 154. Hertz. Oh, I just clicked on Hertz. Uh, Hertz, 154. Goff, 155. To use the, the Lions side of that. And with Swift and Hawkinson. Mac Jones, 155. 
Sam Darnold, 155. Tom Brady, 151. Right? You would have thought, it's all Brady stats. That looks pretty good. Actually projects lower. Lawrence, 152. Josh Allen, 150. This is with Cole Beasley and Tommy Sweeney. Is, is, is Dawson Knox out or something? I don't know. But the Allen stacks don't, don't project that way. Based on what I, I mean, I'm just going by the numbers here. And these are, these are, this is naked. So like no run back. So let's go through in the stacks and let's add that run back. Right. So just one, I don't care if it's a running back. You could do, you could separate it out even further. So now I'm going to run this. With using, you know, a three plus one type of stack. Now, like I said before about experience and using tools. Traditionally, I do not have to do this. Like this process that I'm showing right here, I don't have to do. I could just look at the projections and visualize, well, what games have projected players that are all projected well together. That's all I have to look at. Like I'll know that the combination of them is most likely to project well. The second part is ownership. We're not caring about that yet. But I could look through and I could go, let me take a look team by team and what, what their salary adjusted values. So I could go team by team, go RGB, right? And go and look, Cincinnati, New York. You got like three guys there, right? You go to uh, San Francisco, Chicago, like you know, three guys, but it's low, low guys, right? They're low. Right. Cancel this. I could go to uh, Carolina, Atlanta. They go, look, oh, I got more guys and they're higher. Two, 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 four, four. Oh, hmm. Carolina, Carolina, Atlanta looks pretty good. Right. Like, I didn't have to run these. I know what's going to come up because it's going to, I'm playing guys from the same game and they all project well in comparison to their salary. I take a look at Philadelphia, Detroit. I go, hmm, this should project decently well, right? I mean, you could, I don't even have to run the lineups to know what games are like that. I, I'll look at the Buffalo. Where's the Buffalo-Miami game? And go, oh, that's that actually doesn't project well as a stack. Like, I don't, I don't, I didn't have to run to see that. The Tampa Bay one. I got some guys, but maybe this comes in a little bit lower than people think. Like I could just visualize that, just looking like all you're doing, all the tool is doing is jamming in the most amount of median fantasy points. So games that have more players that have higher median fantasy points comparable to their salary are going to show up more when you do that. I mean, that's, that's just logic. But you know that because you, if, you, if you looked at the projections you hand-built, you get used to that. You get used to visualizing what these lineups look like. You wouldn't have to run lineups like this. You could run lineups like this to second check, you know, double check yourself. But I'm showing you a way that if you're not, if you're not going to do that, here's the, but you should understand why Sam Darnold lineups are coming up high. Oh, I, well, I didn't, well, based on the current projection. And if you change your projections, maybe there's another projection set that's much lower on the Panthers. Well, then they're going to come up as high. <laughs> I mean, that's just simply, simple as it gets. So this is with the runbacks. So Stafford, runbacks with Brandon Cooks, 151. Davis Mills, 
gets in only because of Henderson. So essentially the, the Davis Mills Houston stacks are only valuable because you could use Henderson as a run back for them. Herbert, 152. And you're using, you're using Jacoby Myers, who seems to never catch a touchdown. Mac Jones, using Keenan Allen at 153. Jalen Hurts, using DeAndre Swift. Yeah, that makes sense. Goff, using Kenny Gainwell, 154. Sam Darnold, 155. And using Calvin Ridley with an Anderson Moore stack. Geno Smith, Alex Collins, DK Metcalf, 149. So it doesn't project all that. Like these guys are going to project even less. Lawrence, Robinson, Arnold, and uh, Alex Collins. Carson Wentz, and they get one Brady lineup. So based on, on running these lineups, you would think, oh, why a Brady double stack? Why don't I run those? Allen double stacks. Why don't I run those? Well, according to these median projections, uh, they may be overowned. Take a look at quarterback ownership. That's usually, you know, gives us some type of semblance of what the stacks are going to be owned. Hertz, Brady, Allen, Stafford should be the chalk based on our current ownership. We saw Hertz and Stafford, they show up. Brady and Allen, not so much. So maybe, maybe based on just this information, like, hmm. Because if I play a Brady stack, so for instance, we go, we use the runbacks. And you go, it's going to be hard. You're going to be giving up projection. If I use a Brady double stack with a runback, Brady, Fournette, Godwin, with Adam Troutman at the tight end position, like you have to jam in as much projection as possible in order to get, you need to play Daryl Henderson. You need to play Calvin Ridley. You need to play the Bills defense. You need to, you need to do this. So how do you get different elsewhere? So you have to support this stack. People, this stack is going to be over-owned, but it still has a high ceiling. But you're going to have to make up that projection somewhere. Yet, if you play something like, uh, Sam Darnold, I have a lot more options now. This Sam Darnold double with the bring back, so three plus one, projects at 155.79. The Brady one projects at 148.84. So we're talking about almost a seven-point difference. And because of that seven points, you, you almost need Henderson in this line. You, need, you, you have to get that projection up as far as possible. But in the Sam Darnold lineup, I could I could not play Henderson. I play James Robinson instead. Let's go. Now you drop you drop projection, sure, but I still I still beat out the Brady lineup. Look, instead of playing Henderson in this lineup, I played Robinson at fifty thousand. The Browns defense down here, and it still beats out that Brady lineup with Henderson in it. Let's say I take Swift out and put in Henderson there. 153. So I don't need Swift in this line. Maybe instead of Calvin Ridley, I play a lower, I play, who's going to be kind of chalky? I'll just put in Jacoby Myers there. Can I get up to Kyle Pitts here? No. Let's find a way to get up to Pitts. Go all the way down and play the Washington defense. Let's see, can I get, no, I still can't get up to Pitts. 
So let's uh, let's where where can we save Robinson? Can we go Robinson down to to Fournette maybe something like that? Take Janu up to. I still can't get up there. A little bit cheaper. Sixty one. Damien Harris, Cordell Cordell Patterson, Chuba Hubbard, Antonio Gibson, or Eli. Let's let's try Eli Mitchell. Move this up to Pitts as the run back. 49-3. Don't want to play, let me play the Seahawks defense, maybe. Something like that. So here, 152. So I moved stuff around. Still got the run back, but used Pitts instead of Ridley. Used Eli Mitchell instead of, you know, I went down here. 152. And it still beats out this Brady. It still beats out this Brady stack. This top Brady stack at 148 with Henderson. I have a lot more leeway in these Darnold lineups. A lot more leeway in the Hertz lineups, in the Ryan lineups, and even in the Stafford lineups, I guess. Brady lineups as a double stack, probably as a single stack. Brady Godwin, that may be fine. You could run them and see. So when people ask, like, when do you run it back? When do you don't run it back? Like, I'm looking at these dynamics, just like, like we looked at before in NBA with Harold. It's not about do you fade, do you play, do you like, look, how many points are you sacrificing by doing X, by making X decision, whatever decision that is. Well, I'm not going to play this guy. I'm going to play that guy. Okay, so how many points are you, are you sacrificing? Are you gaining any? And, and if you're sacrificing points, are you gaining something? What are you gaining by sacrificing projected points? Are you gaining ownership? Are you getting, you know, lower ownership? The answer is no. Then why, why are you sacrificing points? Don't sacrifice them. I mean, these are very simple concepts. This is the, the, the base of what, what DFS is. Any decision that you make, what, what are you sacrificing and what are you gaining? And is, is that trade-off worth it? What's the correct answer to that? I don't know. You have to judge that. That's the, that's the skill of DFS. You, you have to judge on a slate-to-slate basis. Is it worth to do this for that? I know it's worth it in concept, but how much for each? I don't know. Let's see. I got to get out of here soon. Let's see. Through the YouTube chat. Uh, people, I know, I know there's always one or two people that want the MMA stuff. I The MMA stuff is, is hard to judge because now with the fight gone and then some, the, the, I, we don't have the ownership for the Dos Santos, St. Dennis fight, but from the looks of it, uh, I mean, obviously, Chimaev is is going to be chalk. The the heavyweight, the the, the main event favorites will be chalk. But Petro- I think I think uh, in the low end, I think Petrovsky is going to be overowned. Petrovsky is going to be over. I think Volkov may be slightly overowned. Like I have no problem. Like I I I think I'm going to have uh, more Tybura. It's a heavyweight fight. Anything could happen. I think I'm more likely to have more uh, Ozdemir, maybe, based on based on these numbers. If they're going to be single digit owned, if Tiber is going to be eight percent, if Ozdemir is going to be ten percent, I also Yao Zhang against Petrovsky is great leverage. I don't know. I don't know how much he scored. I don't know how high scoring he goes. 
this may be the, this may be the type of slate that that as long as you get one underdog that wins, you may win. I mean, we got some. I mean, some of these massive favorites here. It may just be. Uh, could you fit in three nine K fighters that score 120 plus, and then get get three winners in the rest of your lineup, including one underdog one? It could be one of those slots. But I think Hu Hu Yang Yao Zhang as leverage off of the the 8600 Petrosky chalk because Petrosky could gas. He has minus 105 inside the distance. Yeah, he's going to be popular in that mid range. But that's why I'd like to play someone, you know, leveraged against him. And I like, and I like, uh, uh, like Ozdemir against Ankaleev, but I like Ankaleev also. Like Duryev may be popular. So playing Kopilov, of these guys' names. Because you're probably going to have to play someone down here. And a lot of people just go for Glover Chichera to beat, uh, to beat Blahovich, Blaho- Blaho- these names. But I don't got any, everything done, right? Because the ownership is going to change now with that fight coming. But yes, but I think Yao Zong, leverage against Petrovsky. I think Tybora uh, against Volkov. I don't think Volkov should be 27%. Though. He's not a, he's not volley. He's not, he's not much. He's, I just don't, at 8,900, I just don't think he puts up enough points, even if he wins. But Tybora, if Tybora wins, he's 7,300. So give me, give me 90. If he gives me 85 to 90 points, that's fine. So yeah, so that there, there's my MMA stuff for those that, that, that want to know. <sighs> so uh, give me those thumbs ups on your way out the door. I'm going to be heading over. I'm going to be heading over to Pete Overzet's channel. So I'll be, I'll be over there in like eight minutes and to talk more NFL GPP stuff. Uh, hit the subscribe button if you're new. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. Uh, the Advanced Sports Analytics Show will be coming out later today at about 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock on this channel. Uh, NBA Grinders Live coming up also, 5.20, uh, 6.20, crunch time. Those are all Eastern time. And that's for premium members. So uh, click on the link in the description. Get $10 off your first month at Roto Grinders. And uh, I'll see you in the Discord. I'll see you, I'll see you, in, I'll see you on Monday. Uh, good luck. Uh, if you're not in my contest, good luck. Uh, if you're in my contest, I want the worst of luck to you. But uh, I, I will see you then for another edition of the DFS Free Game Show on rotogrinders.com.